0: sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
1: When you look back at the FBI and the Department of Justice during the Obama administration, you've had Comey fired for misconduct, Andrew McCabe fired for misconduct, Strzok fired for misconduct, Lisa Page demoted, all of whom had a hand in this Russia investigation that Mueller's now running with. Unbelievable
0: in a day and time where we find everything to talk about but the games. Tiger Woods had the sports world transfixed. And it reminded us of what sports is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be the ultimate distraction. It's supposed to be about something that pulls us away from the dregs and the drama of what we have to deal with in real life. And now,
2: Stacey Washington.
3: Welcome to the program. We're well into hour two and I got to tell you, we had fantastic guests first hour just happened to be, um, that we timing wise were going to squeeze them in to suit their schedules. And it was a little bit of a, you know, kind of acrobatics to get uh, Dr. Carson to ma- match up with him because he's so busy, but it was wonderful to have him on. And Kathy Barnett of Kathy Barnett.com. I'm excited about that. Um, I want to, I want to point out that I've, I, so when I whenever I bring up the fact that there's been you know kind of a changing of the guard in the friend arena, I'll invariably have someone say, "Oh, you know, boohoo, who cares? You know, you your liberal friends don't want to be friends with you anymore." I don't bring it up uh, on the program because I need sympathy or anything of that nature. It's much more of just pointing out that we've become very intolerant of people who don't agree, uh, agree with us, and and it's not that we don't have any friends; it's that it's different friends because. You have to be able to know that a person disagrees on a certain issue and then look past that at the person and say, but this is still someone I want to spend time with. And for people who don't want to do that, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not into forced friendships or, or, you know, trying to make things work. Friendships like a buffet, you come and take as much or as little of it as you want. And, you know, you offer that up to people and, in kindness and you want to be a friend in order to have friends and all of that good stuff. But it is indicative of the intolerance from the main group of people in America who are constantly pushing the drumbeat of you have to tolerate men in women's locker rooms. You have to tolerate boys rooming with girls in college. You have to tolerate someone who is obviously a man with a beard, with makeup on, who's mentally ill, reading to your preschoolers. You have to tolerate that person as your kid's teacher. You have to tolerate whatever we say so you can prove to us that you're not a bigot. And it used to be that this was the kind of thing that was kind of under the surface. On the surface, it was tolerance, 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 but underneath it was, you will tolerate what we believe should be tolerated, but we're not going to tolerate you. Now, the mask has been ripped off, and we even see people like Chris Cuomo over at CNN actually defending Antifa's attacks on the police and journalists by saying, well, they have the moral high ground. Those people have the high ground, and people like us who just... We just want to be able to make decisions about where our children are uh, exposed to, uh, you know, let's say a naked man. You know, you want to be able to say, I don't want that to happen and then not be called a bigot. I mean, that's so basic. It's so basic. So um, I'm not actually seeing the calls on my little call screener. I'm not sure what's going on here. Um, But if you've called in, I'm going to get to you in just a sec. So. This hour, we're going to be getting into a little bit of the Peter Strzok firing aftermath. And then also, um, again, we're going to just listen to a little bit of audio from Stephen A. Smith that I thought was so important. Um, And I was really grateful to uh, Tiger Woods for being honest about his uh, assessment of the St. Louis PGA golf fans. Uh, because St. Louis gets a bad rap. And I, I tell the truth about St. Louis all the time with our number one per capita murder rate, which is actually concentrated in the city of St. Louis. So that's 66 square miles. Um, you know, it's not the entire metro area. And it's not all 1.6 million people. But it definitely is something that's that's there. Um, so let's go to the phones. Jacob in Alabama. Jacob, thank you for calling. Stacy on the right.
4: Oh, you you're quite welcome and uh congratulations. Get us the second time.
3: Oh, thank you. Thanks so much.
4: Yeah, I got three quick points. Uh one point is with um I think if your listeners need to know this, Dr. Ben Carson did the first um um operation on um Simon's twins and, and disjointed them. He's the first one in America to actually do that. So I just wanna just point that out for but Absolutely. They have a little more background on him. Okay. And um, the other two points is uh, with um, Hillary Clinton's um, daughter, out of those 60 or 70 million babies, the uh, Lord always um, gives us what we want from a baby. In those 60 or 70 million abortions, there were doctors that had um, uh, the wisdom to uh, cure cancer, Every disease that we have, God sent them, but we ended up sending them back. And That's why we're in the predicament. We're right. all as far as you know, cures and diseases and all that kind of thing. And the third point I wanted to make is that remember what the Lord said about um, uh, uh, what's his name, Judas. He called him a devil. And just like when Donald Trump called Amarosa a dog, it's the same exact same thing. You know. Um, it is what it is. You know, he spoke, to, and, and even though one of the embassy broke um, out said something about her, too, uh, to that she was evil. So, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Again, congratulations, and God bless you, and God bless your family. And, it's, and one small point I want to make, um, you, your church does something as far as um, write of passage for kids. I think every church in America needs to have that.
3: I agree. I agree. They have it for the boys. They don't have something specifically for the girls. They have this this program that they do for the for the boys and it has been amazing. And our son has gone through it and they've made some great friends. My husband and our son uh, in that program at church. It's really it's pretty amazing. And and um I should do a a segment on uh, on that and explain exactly what it is um because I think it's something that could be replicated at other churches. So thank you so much for, um, for bringing that up and, and thanks for calling Jacob. Uh, really appreciate your ears and, and you uh, being here and, and calling in. Uh, let's go to Mark in Ohio. Mark, thank you so much for calling the show. Hey, Stacy. Hey, I hey, uh,
2: wanted to comment on uh, these accusations that we're a racist country, but I wanted to use talk radio as an example. Your show is the fourth show in the central Ohio area to come on board um, in the past two or three years where a black individual is the host. And I know, I was talking to your call screener, and uh, she said that you guys have to screen your calls because now and then you'll get some nasty people that'll, that are racist that will yeah. call in and you don't let them on air. Um, and I was going to say one of the shows here in central Ohio, and it's on another network so I won't advertise it, but the talk show host is black. He's been on air in different formats for 25 years I've listened probably to him for 15. I've never heard anybody and it, they don't screen the calls and I've never heard anybody call in and get on his case because he's black.
3: Yeah. You most know, of the it, people me, who are upset with me are, it's usually an issue. It's usually something I've said. What? It, um, most, most people who disagree with me, it's usually on an issue or something I've said or the fact that I'm a black conservative, but it's not, it's usually not a racial thing. I mean, I, I know there are people out there who are like that, but that's not the the, the bulk of the people who call in. Usually it's they're mad because they're liberals and, and I'm on the right. That it has nothing to ah, do with race.
2: Yeah. Okay. So it's not primarily people that are racist then?
3: No. Not that I know of. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, and see that's what I've noticed and I've wanted to call up some of these other talk show hosts in central Ohio. It's like, you know, this whole lie that we're a racist country, it's like the proof is in the pudding and there isn't much pudding. You know, we, we have got, unfortunately, the best race-baiters on the planet with our news media. Yeah. You know, we've, there's a difference between race-baiters and racists. And, it's uh, true. You know, and then I wanted to just make one other comment, and maybe some theologians might disagree with me on this. There's people that say Christianity is a racist religion because of, you know, slavery. It didn't say anything about slavery. Um, And people have, you know, gone into the word meaning of slave and all that, you know, and indentured servitude and bond service and all that. But one thing people forget is in the Song of Solomon, Solomon, who was Jewish, was in love with a black woman. That was a biracial relationship. People just gloss over that.
3: They never talk about uh, it.
2: I think it's it's true. You know, I mean, there's the one line I'm kind of paraphrasing, but she basically says, I'm black but beautiful. Mm-hmm. You
3: know, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it's I mean, it's pretty amazing
2: metaphorical.
3: Yeah, no, it was literal. And but, you know, you, you for people who actually read the Bible and then take their little, you know, our big hefty concordances out and try to understand it by going a little deeper. This is stuff we know. And but I, I think it's much simpler than that. And I you know what I like to say for the, the discussion on race, because I, I do happen to be a black person and I have experienced racism, you know, racial slurs in person. And it is disconcerting, but it is also no different from when someone has, you know, cut me off in traffic or someone has, you know, there've been so many other incidences where someone has been rude or mean that have been just as bad. And so it's not a race issue that we have in America. It's a sin issue. And it's not an issue that is only one group of people. All Americans, we're all sinners, just like every other human on this planet, and when we only focus on race, we're actually doing harm to ourselves because there are other sins we're engaging in that we need to pay attention to too. Because God's not only going to be holding us accountable for sins that are associated with ethnic background; He's going to hold us accountable for all of our sins because Jesus died for all of our sins. So we, it's a, it's you're right. We got these professionals. I, I find it amazing that we spend so much time talking about it when there are so many other things that are super issues for us as a country. And then on the local level, and they rarely get discussed because we have to talk about race. We have to talk about, we have to talk about it. Um, Let me see if we have any more callers before we go on to, okay. So what I'd like to do now is um, I want to go to this audio of Jim Jordan putting Peter Strzok's firing in a very interesting perspective. And there's a reason why, uh, Jim Jordan took the time to make this point, And I want to draw from that. We, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't even believe in that stuff. Not only can we not tell the future, we, we're not supposed to, but we can make assessments based on what we see around us and what's happening. And the lack of charges or indictments from the Mueller investigation, it doesn't mean it can't happen, but we're getting awfully close to that cutoff point at which he would not be doing anything actively in the investigation because he doesn't want to impact the midterms. And we also have uh, kind of a series of events that are happening in real time that we can kind of take from. So let's listen to Jim Jordan in number two.
5: I mean, the American people deserve an FBI that's not biased. They deserve an an FBI that's gonna focus on the truth. Obviously, Peter Strzok wasn't that individual. And I think it's important to understand, he just wasn't any old agent at the FBI. He was deputy head of counterintelligence. More importantly, he was the lead agent on both the Clinton investigation and on the Trump-Russia investigation. So you now have at the FBI, Neil, something I've never seen in any federal agency. James Comey fired. Deputy Director McCabe fired. Jim Rabicki, former Chief of Staff, has left the FBI. Jim Baker, Chief Counsel at the FBI, was demoted, then fired. Lisa Page, FBI Counsel, demoted, then left. And then, of course, you now have Peter Strzok, who was demoted and now fired today. These are the six key, key people at the top of the FBI who ran the Clinton investigation and who launched and ran the Trump-Russia investigation. I've never seen anything like that in any other federal agency.
3: So the firing of Peter Strzok is actually a really big deal, not just for those of us who felt like you know his behavior was reprehensible and not uh, good employee behavior for someone who's working for the FBI. That's your very basic objection to what he did. And I think it was exacerbated for many of us. If you watched any of this testimony before uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee, he was it was it was it was just it was beyond the pale. Like that guy, you're, you're thinking, where's your remorse? Where's your where do you show the American people that this this really is, as you say, really wasn't a part of what you were doing in your work? It was just text blowing off steam. He was unable to convince the majority of Americans of that. And in order to cleanse the reputation of the FBI, an appropriate action had to be had. And that's what they did. They, they let him go. And I think it was the right thing for them to do. And I, I, I'm not one who advocates for people getting fired. That, like, that's not my thing. But this was, I think, an appropriate action. But it also goes to the heart of, if you're cleaning up behind yourself, the inference is that things weren't going well, right? Yeah, if, if you've had to clean some stuff up that means there's problems with credibility that they want to clear out before they go before a jury i don't know that that's going to be enough most people don't see this as a legitimate investigation if you're not a hardcore leftist or you know on the left and actively hoping for the impeachment of the president so you know there it is i i think he's right so when we come back in from this break we'll we'll hear the rest of the audio from jim jordan um, he says it's about time Peter Strzok was fired. We'll listen to that. And then we'll take some more of your calls at 866 963 2037 here at Stacey on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Be right back.
1: When our health insurance renewal notice arrived last fall, my wife and I made the decision to drop our plan. With the monthly premiums and deductible, we'd have to pay $30,000 just to use it. So, we did our homework and switched to MediShare. The cost savings are incredible, over $500 a month, and we don't have to pay for services we don't need or don't agree with. Then, out of the blue, she had to have emergency surgery. Scary stuff. $150,000 in hospital bills. And MediShare members took care of everything. All we paid was our small portion. I'm a doctor who's been in healthcare for 20 years, and this is one of the most impressive programs I've ever seen. Thank God she's fully recovered. And now we're telling everyone about MediShare.
6: Call 855
1: Psalm 23 to find out how much you can save on your healthcare. MediShare, call 855 Psalm 23 That's 855 Psalm 23 This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. We're in the midst of a battle over socialism. This isn't an academic debate about socialism. It isn't even a discussion about the impact of socialism on Venezuela. The battle over socialism is taking place in the midterm campaigns led in part by self-proclaimed socialists like Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Two of the key talking points have been free college tuition and Medicare for all. These are not just fringe topics only discussed by a few radical leftists, but are becoming mainstream in the Democratic Party. Now, let me hasten to add that not all Democrats embrace these ideas, but most of the Democrats who will be running as presidential candidates in less than two years do propose such ideas. Voters need to be asking these candidates some important questions. Do we really want more government involvement in health care? Perhaps the most important questions are cost. One recent study found that Medicare for all would increase federal spending by more than $32 trillion during the first 10 years. By the way, total federal spending during that same period is projected to be about $56 trillion. So a good question for these candidates might be, how can we afford an additional $32 trillion? Rarely are such questions asked. But when they are asked of candidates, you get suggestions like raising the corporate income tax, cutting defense spending, and implementing a carbon tax. Then another question comes to mind. Won't that completely destroy our growing economy and crush manufacturing and other industries? This election and the next will be a wash in socialist slogans about free tuition and free health care. Responsible voters need to ask these candidates some important questions. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. You can download episodes of Stacey of the Right from the podcast
0: page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
5: I say, come on, this is the guy who said we'll stop Trump. This is the guy who said we need an insurance policy. This is the guy who thought he was the James Bond of the FBI, the super-secret agent man. So, come on, that, that just doesn't fly. The American people understand it. And frankly, what we learned last week, Neil, from these email exchanges between Bruce Orr, a top official at the Justice Department, and Christopher Steele, the guy who wrote the dossier... I mean, this is amazing what we learned last week where the Clinton campaign hires Fusion GPS to produce the dossier. Fusion hires Nellie Orr, Bruce Orr's wife. Bruce Orr then takes the dossier and gives it to the FBI. It is never supposed to operate that way in this great country. But that, in fact, is exactly what happened. And we got this confirmed just a few weeks ago when Peter Strzok was in front of our committee. And on the third round of questioning, I finally got him to admit yes, the FBI was getting the dossier from Bruce Orr, whose wife was working for the Oppo research firm the Clintons hired. That's what was going on here. And th- this is as wrong as it gets. And now the, the lawyer for, for Peter Strzok is saying, oh, he shouldn't have been fired. you got to be kidding me. He should have been fired a long time ago. And thankfully, it happened today.
3: Mm-mm-mm. So that is Representative Jim Jordan, who is actually heading up the Freedom Caucus and um, looks to be a likely candidate to take over the speaker position from Paul Ryan when he retires uh, at the end of this session. And after the midterms, if the Republicans keep the house, it's probably going to be Jim Jordan. And, and I think he's right. It's about time. It took a while, but I I also think it's, uh, it's interesting that um, in the big scheme of things, yes, it took a while and it seems like it's overdue, but having it happen now Feels momentous. It feels like something is in the air. Something's happening, um, and I would love to see the conclusion of this investigation. And I understand that people want to see the investigation all the way through, and they want the findings. I do too, but I also want to be cognizant of the fact that we're spending millions of dollars on this, and that it's bogging down the progress of this administration. And as American taxpayers, we should be disturbed whenever we see this kind of a sideshow going on. It's a distraction. It's a waste of money. And we need to complete it so that we can move on. Um, so I mentioned in our one, this, it, it, it's just the strangest thing to have everyone kind of coordinated and coming out with these attacks on religion. And that, and that's what I see it as. It's an attack on religion when you hear people say, well, those evangelicals are supporting Donald Trump and someone needs to have a talk with them about that that's a that's an attack on what people believe and it wouldn't be tolerated if someone on the right said well the thing is the democrats aren't really christians the democrats really don't they can't be christians because they believe in supporting abortion democrats can't really be you know that would not be supported by democrats even people who are agnostic who don't practice any kind of religion the talking heads on TV, they would say, well, listen to that kind of intolerance that people on the right are saying about good Bible-believing Christians who happen to be Democrats. But you hear no kind of, uh, you know, pushback other than on right-leaning talk media. You don't hear any pushback on them making statements that basically say, how can you be an evangelical and support Donald Trump? So here we have yet another example of people feeling like if you have a job, you don't have any rights in your private life. This is about a a group of Air Force officers, enlisted personnel, and civilian employees who are actually actively calling for an investigation into their installation commander. This is at Edwards Air Force Base in the People's Republic of California, accusing him of violating Defense Department policies on religious proselytizing. On Sunday, their Military Religious Freedom Foundation, so that means a group of angry atheists who are all, you know, they're just out to stop Christians from having any fun. They've demanded that Defense Secretary James Mattis immediately and comprehensively investigate Air Force Brigadier General John Tykert. The foundation, which seeks to maintain separation of blah, 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 The issue is Tykert's website called Prayer at Lunchtime for the United States, in which the commander says he encourages Bible-believing Americans to take time to specifically pray for their nation, for our nation, at lunchtime every day. Now, does he say every person in my command has to stop what they're doing and pray at lunch? No. Does he say any person who is an Air Force member has to stop? No. He says Bible-believing Americans. So you're already praying. You're Bible-believing. He's saying, don't forget when you're praying over your food at lunch to also pray for this nation. And for that statement on his website that he maintains, he needs to be investigated. Sounds like Gestapo China, doesn't it? Only it's America or California, you know. Uh, so the foundation asked the Defense Department to determine whether Tiger's conduct, quote, interferes with or violates the civil liberties of service members and civilians under his command. How are your civil liberties uh, violated by a website you've never been to that you didn't even know existed until some Freedom From Religion Foundation came up and told you? Did you know that your boss has a website? If your boss didn't mention it to you and he only works on it during his free time, how does it imprint on your right? Like, do we even know what rights are? The man has 24 hours in a day, just like the rest of us. And he has every right in his free time to have a website. I bet you if it was a pornography website, they wouldn't have a problem with it. So also, the foundation wants the Defense Department to determine whether the diversity or equal opportunities of service members and civilians under his command have been impacted by him having a blog. So Michael Weinstein, who's the president of this atheist group, said his organization represents 41 client complainants, most of whom are practicing Christians. The group also includes Muslims, Jews, Hindus, and atheists. In the group's demand letter, which I, I got my little eyeball emoji for that. Nope. I don't believe that for one second. Uh, not that Bible-believing and practicing Christians are upset with this man for having a blog in his spare time about prayer. No. Mm-mm. I don't believe that at all. They just maybe don't like him. Maybe they wanted a promotion. They didn't get one. Maybe they're disgruntled employees. But I don't believe that him having a blog that he never talks about at work has anything to do with this. This, you know, they're seeking an investigation. So, in the group's demand letter, Foundation attorney Donald Raykop accused Tykert of using both his military rank as well as his position and status as an Air Force officer to aggressively promote his brand of religion, clearly giving the appearance, if not outright impression, that he, in his official status, is endorsing, if not outright proselytizing, his religion. Tykert's publicly posted remarks demonstrate his discriminatory animus and overt condemnation of all personnel. Under his command, who do not share his personal and particular dominionistic brand of Christianity. Sounds like some cultural Christians are mad that this guy actually believes and practices Christianity. Isn't that sad? They're like, well, we can't let him do that. He's making us feel bad. We're going to have to go ahead and do something about him. Tykert commands the 412th test wing and is also the installation commander. On his religious website, he only goes by John. And he writes that he's an active duty brigadier general who has served in the Air Force since 1994. So in other words, if you want to write about transgenderism or cisgender this or that or whatever, you want to be a gender bender, if you want to do anything, you know, dress as a woman in your spare time and go in Target restrooms with little girls, any of that stuff you want to do, feel free. Have at it. But if you just want to have a blog about prayer, and, you know, encourage people to pray on their lunch break. Well, we got to take you down. You know, you can't be commanding a, uh, an entire installation with that kind of radicalism. No, you just need to go put a dress on, Tykert. Put a dress on in your spare time and head to the Target restrooms and the dressing rooms. You know, go go to some female dorms and, and, you know, in your spare time, sign up for some college classes and sign up for the dorm and live with some 18-year-old girls. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that the Californians could really get behind, these leftists. But if we're talking about just, you know, having a simple blog that you work on in your spare time, now that we've got to put a stop to. Yeah, go advocate for some illegal immigration. I mean, come on, up your game, Tykert. That's what we're dealing with here, which is why I continually am surprised when leftists are surprised by us wanting more of the Bible, more opportunities for people to learn what we believe. If you understood why Christians believe what they believe and what Christianity really looks like, then you would be less inclined to persecute a guy for having a blog in his spare time and more inclined to be concerned about the cultural changes that are literally shifting the way our kids think and believe. They're not leaving church because church is horrible. They're being told in school all week long, for four instructional hours a day and nine hours of their, their 24-hour allotment that Christians are bigots and hateful and all of that. And then they go to church on Sunday and they're sitting there thinking, I'm, I'm only here because my parents are making me come. That's what my teacher has told me. That it's amazing what public school teachers will tell kids about Christianity. It's one of the reasons we left public school. They were teaching, that they said, Jesus Christ was the founder and leader Of Christianity. That was in our daughter's, um, it was like a social studies book. And when it got to world religions, it had some paragraphs, like, you know, a half a page per religion. And it was a pretty accurate description of all of the religions until it got to Christianity. And the discussion they had in class, I mean, it would just curl your toes. The, The discussion they had in class when some of the kids in class who were Christians said, well, we don't actually believe that Jesus Christ is the founder of Christianity. And the teacher just went. I mean, so if if that's what's going on in public schools and then we have liberals who are running around saying that, you know, what we need to do is tell evangelical evangelicals that they're doing wrong by voting for Donald Trump. And we have these all these different opportunities for people who are transgender to basically be in control of our daughters any woman in a locker room, any of that stuff, the more of this we cover, the more of this we're aware of, the more we see that there's, yeah, it's a sick culture, but it's it's more than that. This is a concerted effort to make this guy, just being a Christian and having a blog, that's got to be like completely the worst thing you've ever heard of, while this other stuff that really is of concern, that really does damage people, that really could harm people's lives. That's not to be concerned about. That, that's something, that's just because you're a bigot, Stacy. That's just because you hate transgenders. You're, you're transphobic, which I do not fear transgender people. I am not afraid of them. I'm not afraid of any of that stuff. It's not a fear. It has nothing to do with fear at all. I'm not afraid of anything. It's not, it's, this has nothing to do with a phobia of any kind. It has to do with not wanting to be in the bathroom with a biological male. That's all it has to do with. Is it has to do with not wanting to be in a locker room or a changing room in a public facility or a private facility that I'm paying to be a member of with a biological male or my daughters. It's not wanting to have to make a choice for a child who's attending a public university or a private one that when they show up for move-in day, there's a biological male standing there and he's her roommate, your daughter, and you you have no choice. If you say, no, I don't want this, your child is expelled, which What they're not explaining is for all us parents who know what this process is, it's not like you just walk up to the college and say, I'd like to come, you know, and you put down a hundred dollar deposit, you know, write a little check out and you're in. Applying to college takes a lot of time, a lot of forms you have to do, and it takes months to get ready to go to a college. So you show up on the first day and your roommate's a man and you got a problem with that and they expel you. Now you've missed a whole semester. Where are you going to go? And it's your fault because you're obviously the bigot who doesn't want to live with a man because he's identified himself as a woman. He's gender bending. He's queer. Get with the program. But we can't tolerate a blog. And all the guy is saying is, it'd be great to pray for our nation over lunch. (laughs) Wow. If that's what goes for offensive, then buckle up, folks. Buckle up. So we've, we've, We have to be people who understand that that's not okay. So turning to a lighter topic. um, When we get back from this break, we're going to be listening to a little bit of audio from Stephen A. Smith um, talking about what sports mean to us. And I think it's important, you know, clearly not everyone spends as much time enjoying sports and everyone has different sports that they enjoy, but there's a point to why people engage in watching sports and having fun with sports, et cetera, et cetera. And so we'll be talking about that. And also the terror attacks in London, Um, you know, really sad to see that going on Um, that, that I guess it's terror attack season, things are going back on. And then a story out of Sweden, which is not being widely reported of a bunch of teenagers dressed all in black. They went all over the the country. It was like, someone flipped a switch, all these kids dressed in black came out and set cars on fire. And then when the police and first responders showed up, the firefighters showed up in Sweden, you know, in these different cities and towns to put the fires out, the teenagers threw rocks at them to stop them from putting the blazes out. And so there's a bunch of video over at therightscoop.com that you can watch. Um, And I think I, I think I might've tweeted it out as well that, that, basically shows these guys, they've just basically come out of the buildings and they're running around the parking lot and you can see them moving things into place. And then the car alarms start going off on the cars and then the cars start, you know, bursting into flames. And this is all over, like dozens of cars set on fire in like seven or eight cities across the country. And it was all done at the same time. And missing from the reporting is the demographics on the individuals who started the fires. And in report after report, they show that they don't, they don't have, uh, like they didn't arrest anybody. They weren't able to arrest anyone for doing this. Sweden. Tiny country in Europe. Multiple fires. And of course, no one's going to say anything about terrorism. So. Uh, we'll be discussing that as well. We'll get into that and so much more. Go to stacyontheright.com. hit the subscribe button. Stacy on the right on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on those. And the call lines will be open next segment as well 866 963 2037. 866 963 2037. And we'll be right back with more. Keep it here.
6: take to live an uncommon life. Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment.
2: How often do we minister only to those who are like-minded? When I was coaching, sometimes I'd have a coach or a player who may not have had a perfect past and people would ask me if I really wanted them on the staff or the roster or even if I wanted to be associated with them at all. Jesus wants us actively ministering to people who need to be ministered to who need to know the source of that difference in our lives and who need Jesus' healing words and His grace. How else will we show the world that we're different and we can impact those who may need it?
6: Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com.
2: Equipped with Chris Brooks. This program is an apologetic endeavor. What I want to do is really train you in the art and science of defending and commending your Christian faith to people who maybe they've been hurt by the church. Maybe they don't believe like you believe. And you're saying to yourself, how do I have an effective conversation with them? Well, we're looking for an evangelistic edge, if you will, that will allow us to more effectively, more contextualize the gospel so that we can reach men and women for Christ. Quite often, the on-ramp, if you will, is looking at culture and taking advantage of the conversations that folks are already having and saying, how can I leverage this to get people to talk about Jesus? This show becomes kind of massively significant to you if your desire is to reach people for Christ. Get Equipped with Chris Brooks. Join me Monday through Friday at noon Central Time on Urban Family Talk.
1: Securing America.
5: Surrounded by thousands of troops at Fort Drum, the president signed the John S. McCain National Defense Authorization Act without mentioning the chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee even once.
1: With this new authorization, we will increase the size and strength of our military by adding thousands of new recruits to active duty.
5: The $716 billion bill will increase pay for all service members and boost spending on military equipment and weaponry. And we will replace
1: aging tanks, aging planes and ships with the most advanced and lethal technology Ever developed.
5: The overwhelmingly bipartisan spending plan approved by the Senate in June on an 85 to 10 vote represents an $82 billion increase over the current year. At the White House, John Decker, Fox News.
0: This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I got to tell you something it's something special and it's something the nation needs right now with all the stuff that we talk about and the things that we're going through in various other sports particularly the sport of football with the protests and things of that nature yesterday you had individuals white black and beyond looking at tiger and i don't know of anybody other than kepka who was rooting against them I really and, and, and Adam Scott. I don't know of anybody who was rooting against this man because you had a situation where he was bringing everybody together and reminding us all of the mosaic that sports creates in our minds eye for all of us. About when, when I talk about the world of sports, I've often brought this up. Sports is supposed to be the closest thing to a meritocracy that we have. The proverbial glass ceilings and everything that comes associated with it, you're supposed to not be thinking about that when it comes to the world of sports because your exploits are put on display for all to see and judge accordingly as to who's deserving and who is not. And somewhere along the way, we've lost that because we've been talking about so many other things that bring us down in life, mentally and emotionally, so many of the things that we try and strive to escape. That yesterday, uh, uh, something like yesterday taking place, reminded us all more so than the Super Bowl, more so than the NBA Finals or anything else. Yesterday, days like yesterday reminded us all of why we love sports so much.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I love his passion there. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Stacey Washington, host of Stacey and Right Here on Urban Family Talk and American Family Radio. Look. I love the comments from Tiger Woods as well. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple. I can't thank the fans in St. Louis enough for packing the course all week and for their enthusiasm and support. It meant so much to me. And another one. These fans were so positive all week. I can't thank them enough for what they were saying out there and what it meant to me as a player just coming back and trying to win a major championship again. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, it's, it's a, he finished second in a thrilling final round of the PGA championship. And so this is news all over the country, but this is out of, uh, out of St. Louis. It's seeing him come back, you know, from a lot of injuries and he had some personal, you know, trials and tribulations that he went through. And it doesn't mean that you're, oh, we're worshiping Tiger Woods, nothing like that. It's just, it's, it's wonderful to see a redemption story. It's, it's wonderful to see someone come back. And that's what sports has meant to Americans for so many years. It's seeing people sitting in the stands all together, you know, regardless of political, uh, uh, you know, sides, regardless of their socioeconomic backgrounds, everyone's rooting for their team or, you know, rooting against the other team or rooting for their player. And you're sitting there, you're, you're all together. You're all kind of eating the same food, sitting in the same seats, enjoying the same game, you know, singing the national anthem at the beginning, watching the sporting event, crowding out and, you know, moving like a sea of people. All your legs are doing the little stutter steps in and out of the stadium for whatever the sporting event is. It's a time where you unplug from all of the politics and on the right and on the left, et cetera, And you plug into something where you're just rooting for the team or the person. And then you can really enjoy, regardless of Tiger's politics or whatever they may or may not be, I don't don't actually know, but you see him, you see what he's gone through, you see the injuries, you, and really so many people announcing that his career was over. You see the change in him. There's, he seems more mature. That's to be expected, but it doesn't always happen with sports figures. People who are you know, extraordinarily wealthy are not often, they, they're not always forced to face the realities that force us to grow up. And so it's nice to see. I loved his comments about St. Louis You know, uh, fans and golfers. I also loved the kind of excitement around the world at seeing him win again. It w- it's nice to see everyone kind of like, oh, I'm so happy that he's back and that he's going to continue to be a golfer and, and play the game. It's great. So I I won't you know I won't even try to read the, uh, the obviously Brooks Kepka won the actual PGA Tour, um, Woods came in second. And if you want to know more about it, you could just type Tiger Woods' name in or, or uh, uh, Brooks Kepka and you can learn all about what happened at the PGA Tour. Uh, we still have the sign outside one of the buildings that's near where we live where they had pavilions and tents set up and we saw it this morning. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, we're the, the still the dregs of putting things away and cleaning up after having those th- just thousands, tens of thousands of people converge on St. Louis for that event. Um, now, yeah, we know why sports matter so much. I, I'm, I'm in total agreement with that. I'm so glad that that was something that he talked about. And now I want to go to, it's just, it's kind of breaking news, which was the terror attack in London. Um, there's a little bit of audio about that. It's clip six. This morning, a car smashed into the barriers outside the British Parliament building. The driver is under arrest, and it's
0: reported that a number of pedestrians have been injured. Deborah Pata is outside of Parliament this
3: morning. Good morning, Deborah.
6: So we're here outside um, Westminster, which is essentially the seat of government um, in the UK. And earlier this morning, a car rammed into the outer perimeter of Westminster, of the Houses of Parliament. The driver of that car, as we know, has been arrested and the other occupant in the car. At this stage, police are not calling it a terrorist incident, although it does bear all the hallmarks of a car ramming incident as well, but accidents also happen. So at this stage. Police are not releasing that information. They say they will give updates. All the roads around this area, as you can see, have been cordoned off. Police have blocked them. Pedestrians and traffic are not being allowed through those cordons. And at this stage, police are monitoring the situation. They say that a number of pedestrians have been injured, but none of them are in a life threatening condition at this stage, Anne Marie.
3: Interesting. Um, so uh, obviously there'll be more on that and you can keep your uh, eyes peeled for breaking news, especially at the top of the hour here on American family radio, you can get all of that information. Um, and you can go to AFR.net to, uh, check out the station finder. If you're listening on the live stream and you'd like to listen on terrestrial radio, it's all over the country and also on urban family talk. Um, so uh, let's just get some quick news rundowns. Um, I've got an email from Alipac saying that they believe that Sheriff Arpaio is actually a spoiler in the Senate race and that they want him to drop out to allow a conservative candidate a better shot at the nomination. And at the moment, Representative Martha McSally is leading the the, the race as a Tea Party favorite. Um, actually, Martha McSally is leading Tea Party favorite Kelly Ward by a real clear politics average of eight points. But that's in large Part due to the continued presence of Sheriff Arpaio. Now, four polls are included in the Real Clear politics analysis. All of them show McSally with a lead that ranges from 2 to 13 points, with Ward following in second place in all four polls. Now, William Gein is the president of Americans for Legal Immigration, and they want him to drop out. You know, they're actually recommending that he seek John McCain's seat. Sheriff Arpaio is 86 years old, uh, which is mentioned here in the piece, And I, I, mm, it's, 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 this is an interesting time. This is an interesting time. I'm, I'm not going to weigh in on, on that. I just, I'm sharing it with you for some thoughts, especially if you're in that area to do some investigating for yourself and make a choice for yourself. Um, so now, interesting and this is al- there's already been wails of unfairness and how horrible Donald Trump is. President Trump is just the most awful person in the world for proposing this. But this is the law in every other developed nation on the planet. And that is that people who are coming here to get on welfare cannot become citizens. So once you receive money from us taxpayers in the form of welfare benefits, you cannot then go on to become a citizen of this country. And that is the plan that is being looked at over by President Trump. It's a multi-pronged plan spearheaded by senior advisor Stephen Miller. Contrary to popular opinion, he's not a racist. He's not afraid of immigrants. He's just trying to do something about a completely broken system that we're operating under right now. So this is also designed to reduce the tax burden of people like you and I. It's important for us to make those designations because otherwise we get called bigots and xenophobes, which is a total distraction away from the fact that people just don't care if your tax dollars go to people who aren't citizens. Now, this plan involves enforcing existing immigration law and adding new rules to the federal register. Existing law already requires that foreign nationals who are seeking citizenship prove that they will not become drains on the American taxpayer. That's already the law. So clearly it was written before Donald Trump was ever the president. So either the law's bigoted and Democrats are bigoted too, or it's just the law, there's nothing bigoted about it, and people should stop hurling aspersions. So in addition to enforcing laws limiting would-be immigrants to those who are self-sufficient, the plan would cut off current legal immigrants' pathway to citizenship if they or their family members have already demonstrated a lack of self-sufficiency. What this does is it turns off the draw for people to come here illegally. There's nothing simpler than that. That's what we need. Legal immigrant residents who have themselves used or whose family members have used American welfare programs will face steeper hurdles to obtaining legal citizenship. So the programs include Obamacare, Children's Health Insurance Program, which is CHIP, food stamps, earned income tax credit, public housing. The plan, which is massive in scope, would not actually require congressional approval, And these new rules would come into play via redefinition of what constitutes public charge. A public charge is a phrase referring to government dependence. The Clinton administration used the same strategy in the 1990s to the benefit of immigrants. Households earning up to as much as two and a half times the poverty level could still be rejected for citizenship. More than 20 million immigrants could be affected by the proposed change, according to immigration lawyers, and public health researchers, re- researchers. So, uh, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. So I don't want to. I don't want to act as if we don't have Americans who receive these benefits, but American citizens are taxpayers, and our safety net should be reserved for American citizens. And anyone who thinks that their money, their personal money, should go towards helping these people, there are organizations that you can donate to for that purpose. It doesn't have to be all taxpayers funding this. Um, So the other big big news, which I think is good news, and I love sharing good news on the show, is that we, and I think we mentioned this on the program, but it was uh, probably during the campaign season, and it was that They did a study and it showed that the reason why our government bureaucracy is so inefficient is that so much of it is located in Washington, D.C. And having it separated off from the people that it impacts makes it difficult for bureaucrats to understand the position of the people that their rulemaking and regulations actually impact. So if you're living in the Midwest or you're living along, uh, let's say, the Missouri River and they have a new rule out of the EPA or, you know, the clean whatever department – and they impact you standing water on your property or, or your access to a river that you live near. It can be really, really hard for you to express yourself, your displeasure with that or what have you, to the government agency. Because all of the people who are making these decisions, they're living in D.C., their building is in D.C., they've never been to your area. The one person who may have been there, you know, isn't a part of the rulemaking or decision making. It's disjointed. So what they want to do, and there's two actual stories about this, which I thought was fascinating. You've got, first of all, hundreds of federal employees will be moved out of D.C. And this refers to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. They're moving two of their agencies and roughly 700 federal employees out of Washington, D.C., so they can, number one, save money because D.C. is one of the highest cost of living metros in the country, and to improve the department's service to taxpayers. Agricultural Secretary Sonny Perdue announced Thursday that the Economic Research Service and the National Institute of Food and Agriculture will be fully moved out of the nation's capital by 2020, according to the USDA. They haven't chosen a location yet. Now, in the piece, they talk a little bit about Seattle being one of the locations they're considering, and I seriously hope that's not the case. You don't need to move those 700 employees to a major metropolitan area. You need to move them to a smaller-sized city to spur economic growth in these smaller towns so we can have more major metropolitan areas instead of having just a few where multiple tens of million people are concentrated. You want to have more metro areas that are in the medium size because the cost of living is better there and the quality of life is better there. So they're talking about realigning some of their offices, the functions, even relocating them in order to make more logical sense and provide more streamlined and efficient services. This should be all over the news. This is a story that instead of constantly talking about how Donald Trump must be a racist or his Twitter account is, you know, the reason why America's burning, why not talk about this? This is an actual good idea that any person can get behind, whether you are a Democrat or a Republican, politically agnostic, whatever. This is a good idea. So it says roughly 700 USDA employees could be moved. Keeping steady workers at the ERS and NIFA has been difficult for the department, and they're hoping That moving the agencies out of D.C. into the rural area will be lower cost for the employees, which will entice more of them to join to serve rural Americans better and for longer. So it doesn't reflect on the work that they're doing, that it's not high quality work. It just means they need to be closer to their customers. I love this. So when I see a tweet that I don't like, I think about that or the fact that Secretary Zinke is shipping the headquarters of the largest landowning agency out of D.C. as well. The Bureau of Land Management. Closer to the customer. I'd much rather think about that than the tweets. All right. God bless you. Have a fantastic evening. Lord willing, I'll be right back with you here tomorrow. Same time. Have a great night.